We have been concentrating on the family for some time now, and uh, we are coming to the end of our study. But God has uh, given me this final thought to communicate. Reading here first from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. Hebrews 11 and 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now turn back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. Verses 37 through 39. The Lord Jesus offering here a commentary on the spiritual atmosphere of the last days. But as the days of Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage till the day that Noe entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I thought here tonight, and this will be part one, probably have several parts to this message here, raising a godly family in these last days. Raising a godly family in these last days. Father, I do need you tonight. I ask you to touch me physically, touch my voice, Father. I trust you for healing and for strength. Do pray for the mind of Christ as I seek to speak as your oracles, Father. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, Father, that we would have ears to hear, or that you would have your way amongst us, particularly among young parents and those, Lord, that seek to establish a family. And raise a family in these perilous times. We ask, Lord, for your grace and for your anointing, for your spirit to apply your word appropriately. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Amen. The fundamentals of raising a godly family, those are unchanging. Amen. Because they are found in the word of God. And the word of God is immutable. If we faithfully go to the scriptures, if we humbly allow the Spirit of God to teach and to guide us, then we'll always find a faithful and consistent blueprint for victory. Nonetheless, unique circumstances, cultural trends, even technology can all present unique obstacles and difficulties that perhaps other generations have never faced. To truly follow the word of God, to truly be led by the Holy Ghost in raising a family requires strong and unwavering conviction and leadership, and that cannot be overstated. It will demand difficult and unconventional decisions be made. Radical separation from the world is utterly crucial. Radical separation from the world, 
utterly crucial. If you're not separated from this world, you're not going to raise godly children. It's not going to happen. Amen. There has to be radical. You can't be separated enough. Amen. And that's going to require self-denial on the parent's part. Amen. Now, it comes to no surprise, raising a family today presents different challenges than raising a family 30 years ago. Thus, for those of you just establishing families and others who'll be doing so presumably in the future, recently God specifically laid this message on my heart for your exhortation and for your edification. Now, you'll recall I preached a series last year in the spring, amen, from this same text called Household Salvation, and that uh, had six, seven messages in that, amen, and it, it addressed raising a godly family in general. But this is something new, something I'm calling time-sensitive that God just recently placed on my heart. We read here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus described the last days, the days right before he returns, as days like the days of Noah, a time characterized by rank iniquity, by gross spiritual apathy, sweeping deception, and universal condemnation. And yet, as our text indicates here in Hebrews 11 and 7, Amen. This lone, solitary, courageous man, Noah, defied the times by preparing an ark to the saving of his household. If the last days, the days I believe in which we live, do you believe that? Amen. I believe these are the last of the last days. Amen. If these days, according to Jesus, parallel Noah's days, then it's only logical to conclude that there are some keen spiritual lessons to learn from how he preserved his family. So as we here tonight begin to consider our text, what dynamics stand out to us? Or what might we glean from Noah's experience? First, amen, there must be a divinely influenced vision. Amen? And that's as far as we're going to get tonight. We're going to get halfway through this point because this is crucial. If you don't have a vision, mister, I said, if you don't hear from God, I'm going to do it like daddy did it. Well, if daddy did it according to the Bible, that's a good place to start. But you're going to have to hear from God directly and uniquely for such a time as this. And you're going to have to know God. And you're going to have to walk with God. And you're going to have to obey God or you're not going to raise a godly family. You're going to have to hear something from God. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. So as we survey our story, it unfolds in Genesis 6. And here we have the culmination of human history roughly 2,000 years after creation. We read in verses 5 and 6 of God's sobering assessment. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually 
and repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And then in verse 7, God declares his time frame for judgment. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I had made them. Now, we rarely think about this. In fact, I don't know if I've ever thought about it, but as I was preparing this message, the Spirit of God quickened me. I believe it's important for us just to pause for a moment and consider what could have been. As far as we know, Genesis 6 would have perhaps ended right here in verse 7, and it would have been the final verse in the Bible if it weren't for the next verse. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? For Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man, I said one man, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You think about it. If Noah doesn't find grace in the eyes of the Lord, everyone drowns and this thing is over with. You can just close the book right here. There is no Abraham. There is no children of Israel. Amen. There is no Moses. There is no law given. There is no prophets declaring the word of God. There is no John the Baptist proclaiming in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. There is no Jesus. There is no birth of Jesus, rather. There is no crucifixion. There is no resurrection. Amen. There is no day of Pentecost. There are no apostles, no uh, sons of thunder, amen, no day of Pentecost, no outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There is no church, there is no you, there is no me, there is no consuming fire fellowship, nothing. Everything would have been wadded up in a ball and rightly thrown into hell after Genesis 6. It had all been over. Amen. One man. One man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I hear people presumptuously say they assume it doesn't really matter what I do or what I don't do. Amen? Listen to me. What you do has far-reaching consequences. Amen? We can change things if we'll just truly seek God. Amen. How are you going to live, mister? How are you going to raise those children? How are you going to teach them the ways of God? How are you going to love those children? How are you going to discipline those children? And the spiritual coward replies, Oh, I got a living to make. I'm too busy. I'm going to let the wife handle all of that. Amen. And oh, I'm going to encourage my children from time to time that they need to press in. What a spiritual coward that is. Friend, you need to be the patriarch. You need to hear from God. You need to have a plan to raise that family. You don't know what you face tomorrow, but God knows. Essentially, listen to me. Here's a clear example 
where one man, because he embraced the rightful place of leadership in the family, he sought God. He determined to be spiritual and he found grace. He preserved his entire family. Amen. And that seed would ultimately, ultimately, this one lone, obedient, God-fearing man, he changed the very course of history. See, ladies, children, you have a husband and a father that hears from God. Amen. Don't fight him. Don't disagree with him. Don't undermine him, amen, but stand with him and be thankful your very life and soul could depend upon it. Amen, I can tell you what, I don't know what Noah's wife thought, but she should have been thankful for the old patriarch, amen. I don't know what his children and their wives thought about him, amen, but they should have been grateful for an old patriarch like Noah, amen. You wonder if the children every, every full, ever fully appreciated Noah, amen. You can remember Ham. He exposed, amen, the, the nakedness of his father, failing to see the big picture. Yes, Noah was making a fool out of himself, amen. But that one moment didn't define that old man and that young man should have understood what was taking place. Of course, we would be amiss in exalting Noah too highly. We'd be unwise in the extreme to point solely or even primarily to Noah. Ultimately, it was God who sovereignly had prepared himself a vessel, as he always does, to accomplish his purposes. We know the scriptures teach that God is seeking for such vessels. And I sought for a man. Among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land or for your family or for this local church that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So thank God, amen. There's something to be said for old Noah yielding to a merciful and seeking God and finding grace. Indeed, God will have his vessels, amen, and he will preserve his remnant because he is going to have a holy, spotless church in the end. Thus, the question is not, will there be vessels, but rather, will we be one of those vessels? Certainly in our homes, certainly in Consuming Fire Fellowship, God is seeking for such men. For patriarchs, amen, who will acknowledge the eternal implications of their leadership or the lack thereof. Oh, what wonderful things could transpire if some of us here at Consuming Fire Fellowship could truly find grace in the eyes of God in this dark hour. And listen, saints, finding grace and the God of grace that's not too sophisticated, too complicated, amen, too difficult. It's not so much above and beyond any of us, amen. We can reach right through the veil with the arm of faith and take hold. It's all about desire. 
It's all about hunger. As you told us, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all of your heart. Amen. So it cannot be overemphasized, men, if you were to raise godly families, if you were to rightly lead and protect and instruct your wife in these last days. It's utterly essential that you hear from God for your household, that you have the mind of God. I'm not going to go to the seer and give him $10 to give you the word of the Lord. No, you better hear from God. You better know what it is, even that God is saying. Now remember, according to Genesis 6 and 3, God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So this was God's declaration of judgment. Then in Genesis 6 and 13, we see that God warned Noah. So we don't know the exact time frame between God's declaration of judgment and God warning Noah. But we do know it was 120 years between God's declaration and the actual flood. Amen. So think about it. No man tasked with the multitude, amen, of building or the magnitude of building an ark that would save his family from a worldwide flood could imagine what sort of changes would take place both of the natural and the spirit, over that period of time, 120 years. And more importantly, changes that would challenge his mission. Amen. So do you understand? That's 120 years. Amen. This is a, this is a generation whose mind and thoughts are totally given to evil. Amen. There are some changes that took place. Don't you believe? Amen. Now, the scriptures are silent of such changes or challenges. So we, of course, are left only to speculate. But surely in 120 years, there were some. Are we to assume there was no opposition on the earth from wicked men controlled by the devil? Amen. Uh, against God's plan. What if neighboring families banded together? Blocking access to land, to trees, to wood, to materials, amen, to animals, etc. Amen. With men so given to evil, surely it would not be shocking that they would attempt to sabotage or to steal, perhaps try to infiltrate or undermine from within. Amen. Certainly they mocked and laughed at old Noah. But remember, and as we move ahead, the natural challenges that they faced from wayward man would very likely parallel our spiritual challenges against Satan and those under his domain. In other words, Noah's preparing an ark for what? For the saving, the salvation of his house. Surely there were changes. There were challenges, amen, that he had to meet. And there likewise are going to be challenges Changes in our culture that have to be addressed. Ah, but God knew. And God no doubt gave them instruction. The instruction they needed according 
to his exhaustive foreknowledge. Aren't you glad God knows everything? Amen. Aren't you glad God knows exactly what you're going to face and what your children are going to face tomorrow? Now, for a moment, I want you to imagine the vast changes in American culture the last 120 years since 1900, especially the spiritual and the moral landscape. And I know we don't, we don't live that long. Amen. In these days, amen, we wouldn't be raising up a family for 120 years. But I just want to make a point, amen. And so just imagine a young Christian man in 1900, a man sincerely attempting to order and raise up his family to negotiate the upcoming 122 years culminating in 2022 today. Amen. It would be impossible, even unthinkable, apart from God and his divine foresight. Is that not true? But you think of the changes. Amen. Things that have happened since 1900. And, uh, you know, as I began to examine this and study this, uh, you know, it was just amazing the things that have taken place. In 1900, the vast balance of the American population was rural. It wasn't until 1930, 30 years after 1900, where slightly more Americans lived in the city. All the way up to the decades between 1950 and 1960, the average population between urban and rural hovered at 60 urban, 40 rural. Today, it's 80-20. From a Christian standpoint, technology, of course, is not innately evil. Amen. Nonetheless, it presents unique challenges. From the Christian's standpoint, amen, technology, generally speaking, has often presented a choice between convenience and sacrificed separation are between profitable exercises and sheer entertainment or spiritual distraction. Think about it. In 1900, no one had a phone. Amen. The postal service was still slow and unreliable. There was no radio. There was no television. Few people owned automobiles. Isolation and separation from cultural influence, even from family to family, was typical, even the norm, even because communication was extremely limited. Now, you think about the ramifications of that. That means the Jones family in one county, like a mid-county, could be vastly different from another Jones family in Pike County. What they wore, how they spoke, their customs, their beliefs, etc., and so forth. Do you see that? There was not that much corruption of cultures, even on the, on the smallest of scales. The technological advances that followed 1900 as one would expect, affected and broke down this natural separation. 
By 1929, 60% of American families owned an automobile. You know, Miss Annie, who, Mr. G.W., who lived in that house before he sold it to Mr. Willie when we moved here. You remember him. And uh, we became very friendly with him and spoke to him a good bit. We met his sister. I think it was his older sister. She was just a delightful woman to speak to. She was in her 90s, I believe, when we first met her and lived at her house. She eventually went to the nursing home, but we visited and talked to her all the time. It was so intriguing just to listen to her talk to. But she grew up right here in Busy Corner in the 1920s. Amen. I can remember her saying something along these lines. She had rarely been to the metropolis of liberty. Amen. She had hardly ever left, amen, the county until she was an adult. Amen. There wasn't, you know, car. So that was a long way to travel. Amen. Just people were, you know, around a very limited social uh, network. Amen. Uh, It wasn't until the mid-1930s that radio was common in America. Only between 1950 and 1960, the majority of Americans had a telephone. I can remember growing up and my grandparents who lived in Baywood, that's about 30 miles out of Baton Rouge, and uh, they, they had a party line. That meant you picked up, somebody could be on, their neighbor could be on the line, and you had to wait till they got off so you could call, because you could hear their conversation. <laughs> and, that, that was, and that was all when I was... A, a, a young boy, amen. It wasn't until the 1960s that most American families owned a television. School-sponsored prayer was ruled in con- unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in 1962. In 1980, it was ruled public schools could not display the Ten Commandments. So when I was in school, amen, every morning they had silent prayer over the intercom. Silent prayer, the Ten Commandments were posted right there above the chalkboard. Amen. This is in the largest public school in Baton Rouge. Amen. God and country, at the least in theory, amen, was exalted. Amen. I was paddled. Amen. When I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, I was paddled when I misbehaved. Amen. And all the while, my parents were constantly telling me that America was going to hell. They'd never seen anything so bad as our culture. Amen. Cable TV was established and expanded during the 1980s. When I was growing up, you had two rabbit ears or you had an antenna outside your house. There were two channels in Baton Rouge. When I was in high school, they added a third. So the local news, there was just very isolated. I remember going to, to college at Louisiana Tech from Baton Rouge. It was culture shock. The people had totally different fashion. They listened to different music. They talked different. It was completely different. Just that, you know, when we moved here in 1994, there was a difference between Centerville, amen, and Baton Rouge, amen. But all that has changed, hasn't it, amen? In the mid-1990s, less than 10% of the U.S. population had access to the Internet. It wasn't until 2003 that that number rose above 50%, and not until 2010 did it rise to 70%. Today, it's around 78%. It wasn't until the 2000s 
that cell phones became popular. And remember when cell phones first came out, that's where they were. They were phones. That's what they did. You could text, maybe, I don't remember if you could text. Amen, you couldn't text. Well, you could, all you could do was take a phone call. See, it looked very convenient, and it is, amen. But they were just phones. It wasn't until 2007 that iPhones were introduced and smartphones became common in the 2010s, amen. You see, things are different today. There are different challenges in raising godly children. Oh, that don't have nothing to do with raising godly children. You are a blind fool. You are blind if you believe that. And probably sent a lot of adults to hell. But no little child, listen to me, those little children are so influenced by everything. Of course, these changes only scratch the surface of the technological shifts in the last 120 years. But I just wanted to give you a brief overview, amen. If we were only to consider the relatively short time span of 30 years, starting in 1900, amen, moving to 1930, then to 1960, to 1990, finally to 2020, no generation, amen, could just follow the past blueprint of the former generation of what their parents did, they would end up overlooking many things that need to be addressed. Somebody say amen. amen. My first child, Micah John, was born, amen, in the dawning of 1991 on January 4th. The changes since that time, especially changes relevant to raising a godly family, are striking. Now, granted, the pattern, amen, or the fundamentals are the same. But there's things that we never dreamed we would have, things yet not seen. I said things yet not seen that have to be addressed. Make no mistake, the the challenge of raising a godly family today are vastly different than in 1991. Amen. In other words, the pattern is the same. But adjustments have to be made for changes in culture, technology, etc., and so forth. People had limited contact with one another, amen, in 1900. Do you understand that? I mean, they probably in their whole life, uh, you know, had only a few people, family, close friends, and neighbors in their living room. That would have been the standard experience, amen. But these changes, amen, they have, you know, altered things. In essence, the challenges of technology from 1900 to 1990 and 1990 to today have essentially incrementally broadened a once universally small social sphere and effectually opened the entire world, if we allow, to our living rooms. Amen. You got that smartphone in your pocket. Amen. I want you to just look at that and meditate on it for a minute. Just a punch of that button, almost anybody in the world, along with almost anyone in the world. Do you understand? Anyone, billions and billions of wicked people 
almost anyone, their morals, their philosophies, and their influence can be potentially your child's bunkmate. Amen. In 1900, you'd have never let them on your property. Now they can go to bed at night with your child if they have access to that. You understand? It's a different landscape. It requires some conviction. It, 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 it demands some oversight. You understand that? This is not like yesterday. It's harder to keep your child separated. You see, evil communications are going to corrupt. And that's what always is going to happen. And I'm not sure that people that have been raised separated all their life really understand the dangers like we did. We were running from that world, running with all of our might. It was something that burned in our heart and our spirit. We must save our children from this vile and ungodly culture. We've got to separate them. We've got to create an atmosphere where they're protected. I don't see that same. So in fact, that element that came in here, amen, they didn't see it at all. They never would see it. Amen, just uh, the saying the same sort of things, the same ideas in seed form that ultimately corrupted this entire church. Yes, sir. Think about it. Since 1995, when we started this church, many life-altering changes. In 1995, only a few of us had a personal computer. I think I bought one in 1993, 1994. I didn't want one, really. Well, that's, no, that's a lie. Wouldn't have bought it if I didn't want it. But my old pastor talked me into it. said, so much easier to make notes. It's a convenience. And there's nothing wrong. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not getting rid of my personal computer. I'm preaching off of one. But I didn't have one before that. But it's so much easier type and just it's all you can all that you know how many remember that correcto tape you used to have to put in there with tick. oh that was terrible no one had a cell phone you remember pay phones we, we think we can't even survive we didn't have phones I'd go to work in Baton Rouge and call my wife on a pay phone two or three times a day just touch base with her Nice to have a phone. It's convenient. Amen? But there's also some drawbacks. Amen? We were extremely protective of our homes. You know, if you want to be polite, you don't want to step on people's toes, you're going to curse your family because you're going to have to have a backbone to protect those children. I remember my wife and I, we'd go in church and they'd come, when are we going to come get the children and bring them to the nursery? Don't you touch my children. I might have been nice the first. We don't, we don't go to nursery. But oh, it never ended there. Oh, yeah, yeah, they just press and press. My children are staying with me. Don't you touch them. I wasn't worried about being polite. I was worried about honoring him. I mean, I could tell you story after story 
We're not letting them take them to the youth group. They're not going in there to that nursery. They're not getting away from me. They're going to be with me, and they're going to be with her. There were very few people. Very few people were ever alone with my children until they were adults. I mean, I'm sure just a small, I don't know how many, just a very, very small. That was by design. We did that on purpose. We controlled their social sphere on purpose. What about homeschooling? How they, what about socially inept? We're trying to protect them from socialization because we don't want them to be with the God haters. That's the answer to that. You better believe I'm trying to separate them. They had very limited access to hardly anyone. Their social sphere was completely and purposely controlled by me and my wife under God. We were dogmatically against television, against movies, secular music, contemporary Christian music, most things that claim to be religious. We were highly suspicious, high on purpose. That's not very loving. I'm trying to find fault. Anything get close to my children, turn it upside down. Turn it inside out. Pick it up. Shake it out. Uh, you better be. I'm critical spirit. Uh-huh. This thing ain't coming close to my children. I'm going to find out what it is. My parents try to give them books or something. Uh-uh. We're going to read it through every book. We're going to censor everything. Uh, they can't have this. Can't have that. No, that toy's wicked. Nope. We've censored it all. Suspicious of anything that didn't exalt Jesus. And Sunday morning, I'm going to go into the reasoning. See, we were compelled because we saw, we saw what happened when that wasn't the case. Amen. Why is this? Because God had thoroughly warned us and given us a plan for the saving of our households that address the next 20 or 30 years or that time period we would raise our children. I didn't know everything. I didn't understand everything. I could have never dreamed of all the changes that were going to take place. But like Abraham, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew sure enough what to get away from, amen? I knew what to separate from. Amen, now that ark, amen, we understand that that ark was the means of salvation for Noah and his family. But there would be no ark at all without first Noah finding grace and being sensitive to God so it could warn him. You know, most theologians agree. Amen. There had never been rain before, much less a flood. No one had any need for an ark, nor had anyone seen one. No one had built an ark. Amen. And no one knew what was going to happen in 120 years and in between that time. Amen. These were all things yet not seen. The question that everyone, amen, that always had, even back when I first got born again, and, and uh, you know, I, I surmise probably, amen, ever since there's been time, I believe that question, amen, what does tomorrow hold? Everyone asked that question. Granted, none of us know exactly 
how the future is going to unfold. None of us know what sort of changes will take place. Amen. And uh, what sort of challenges will present themselves in raising godly children. True as Christians, we have the scriptures. And hence, we have far more clarity. Yet only a very general understanding. Certainly will not learn what the future is going to be like by reading the newspaper or listening to CNN or Fox News. I don't believe a word any of those people say. Nothing. You can't believe anything on the internet. Really, only you believe. Really, this vile age just really has to be. I believe the Bible. That's what I believe. And I might have a, a, an opinion, or I don't know what to think. I don't. Republican, Democrat—they're all God haters. It's cowardly, wicked, spineless God haters under the judgment of God. And none of them worthy, amen, to be the president or a senator. They're all cowards, amen. And they got the, the only people in them that's got any backbone are women. What's that lady's name? Green? Yeah, she's the only one who's got a backbone. Another woman from Colorado. I don't know how she escaped all the dope smoking and everything. But I don't believe, I don't believe, who knows what's happening? It's a vile and wicked age. Certainly, amen, we're not going to learn it by looking at the internet, amen, listening to Fox News. So how can we, in a time of gross sin and apostasy, with divine judgment falling all around us, amen, have a time-sensitive, culturally applicable, spiritual plan specifically tailored for the preservation of our families with such limited knowledge? Well, praise God, I come, amen, to report to you here tonight. This is one of those cases that's irrefutably not what you know, but who you know. Remember, Jesus promised us in John 16 and 13, amen, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. No disinformation, no half-truth with the Holy Ghost. He tells the full truth. Oh, praise God. Amen. For he shall not speak of himself. Fox News, no matter what, they're speaking about themselves. CNN, they're speaking about themselves. Joe Biden speaks about himself. Donald Trump speaks about himself. But the Holy Ghost is not speaking of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Things yet not seen. I don't have to see it if he sees it. And he can tell me, amen, how to negotiate it, amen. So listen to me, particularly men, patriarchs, amen, parents. Vision is not merely inspiration, amen. No, no, it's genuine, supernatural foresight to be prepared for what is not seen yet. Amen. All these changes and everything that continues to change. Amen. I don't know what sort of changes will come on the horizon tomorrow, but God knows. 
and he can prepare me, and he can prepare you. Amen? Remember, we talked about Sunday. Heavenly wisdom is to avoid danger even though there's a lack of experience. I may not have the experience, but I know someone that does. Hallelujah. And his name is the Holy Ghost. Amen? So if you're to raise a godly family in these challenging times, you must have the wisdom of God. You know, I'll be able to sit down with you and you say, this, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm going to do it. And you know, if, if people were to gather around you and say, now, that, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Well, you just as soon swallowed a grenade to say that to me back when I first got this vision. Uh, you ain't standing my way. Amen. You better move out of the way because this is what I'm doing. Why? Because I got a word from God. You're not going to tell me. I had him tell me. You're going to curse her. They're going to rebel. You don't let them do that. You do that. You're too hard, too narrow. All satanic. All satanic. I've told you before. If I look back, I made some mistakes for the most part. I mean, it wasn't that I was too hard. I wasn't hard enough. Not near hard enough. I wasn't strict enough. Amen. I wasn't nearly strict enough. Amen. Uh, You can't be too separated. Amen, you cannot be too separated. Amen, there's nothing out there. Nothing out there that's worthy. Amen, nothing out there but just fodder. Amen, I don't care what, even if it is lawful, legal, entertainment, whatever it might be. Amen, and I'm not condemning all entertainment. Amen, I've been entertained, I'll be entertained. I'm not, there's some things we can lawfully do, but I know what it is. It's absolute vanity. Every single bit of it. It's all vanity. Every bit of it. And where it may not influence you, though it could. Talk about even lawful things. I ain't talking about sin. Ain't nothing wrong with fishing and hunting and trucks. But there's a danger. There's a danger with anything that rivals that affection. Much less a little box. You can push three buttons and be exposed to things that people in 1900 they couldn't have even conjured up in their imagination. It's unlikely that demons probably could have conjured it up. The stuff you can see, one touch, it's dangerous. I'm not saying, listen to me, it can be managed. Better be careful. Just like with TV, we saw that thing. It deserved a swinging baseball bat. That's what it deserved. It was that bait. Was that? They got the shooting TVs with shotguns and beating them with baseball bats. Ain't nothing wrong with that television set. I know that. Ain't nothing wrong, wrong, evil, with that set. But there was nothing on that television set. The programming. 
Amen. That was really that profitable to watch. The best thing to do, get rid of it. Amen. And I saw multitudes and multitudes reason the same way. Amen. You see, you go that way. We, we were in churches where you'd go in, you know, at five o'clock and go visit somebody, and everybody's sitting on the couch watching TV. And maybe those people would say, I don't watch anything. You know, just beaver and leave it to beaver and old yeller. And if you watch some of them and find out, they're not promoting Jesus. But they may have been, you know, not overtly wicked or whatever. And then you go in the the, the parents' room and they got a TV. And then you go to the children and there's a TV. Nothing else for four or five hours. They didn't hardly talk to one another. Now everybody's got a TV. Nobody talks to anybody. Stares in that that computer, that little TV, and the devil's right there going. <laughs> I had you throw that thing out twenty years ago. Now I got it in your front pocket. Amen. I got a I got a computer. I understand, and I got internet. But it's we got to record. And listen to me, young parent. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's convenient. Ain't no two ways about it. But it's dangerous. Hey, but we're going to stop right here. Halfway through. Amen, that first point. We're going to take it up on Sunday. Amen, we just stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands and just love him here tonight. Thank him. He's the God that knows everything. He's the God that sees all that which is yet to be seen. Aren't you thankful you serve such a God? He can prepare us. He can prepare you. Father, mother, he can give you a plan to raise that household, to prepare an ark to the saving of your children. He wants to. He will. If you'll just be sensitive to him, you just fear the Lord. Amen. Be willing to make rational or rather radical decisions. And God will show you. He'll lead you in the way. Father, we're so thankful. We love you. We love this way which is narrow. Father, I do pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. You know the future, Father God. And Lord, as we go forward, Lord, seeking to glorify you, you would equip us. You would speak to us. You would show us the way. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone say, Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you. Amen. Lord willing, we will continue on Sunday morning. Amen. Shake someone's hand, hug their neck. We will see you this morning.